and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Tuesday. We're back after a long Valentine's Day, President's Day weekend. I am Steve Dace. Aaron McIntyre and Todd Erzin are here with me as well. 888-933-93 is the number here at The Blaze. 888-933-93. You can let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox. Steve at SteveDace.com. That's how you can email the program. D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. I mentioned uh, a long getaway. want to give a shout out to uh, the new friends I made out there in Nashville and Franklin, Tennessee over the weekend. They were gracious enough uh, to have my wife and I down there as their guests and uh, give me a chance uh, to speak and, um, and, and maybe uh, scare them to death. That's how I like to motivate. You guys know that, right? You said new friends, though, so yeah. oftentimes it's, you know... You show up places and it's a lost leader. So uh, new friends. Well, I think we. Well, I'm feeling good about this. Well, thank you for that. Coattails preserved. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Uh, and we were uh, way away and um, we came home and everything was, well, other than the fact I had to go through O'Hare on the way home. And I'm, I just, you guys know I have two travel rules as I try to enforce as much as I can, which is to stay away from O'Hare and not fly American Airlines unless it's a straight flight. Unfortunately, on the way home, I could not avoid either one. Does okay? this rival the Northwestern trip? Uh, no, 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 not even close. I was just right? going to say, does no. Chicago just hate you? No, it, it does, clearly, but no, it doesn't rival that. It's just, I am confident that when the Antichrist ascends, thankfully we're going to be raptured out of here, we won't see it, but when the Antichrist ascends, I am confident he will declare all airports to operate and look and smell like O'Hare. I am I am confident of that. All right. But thankfully, when I got home, uh, we got home last night and everything was perfectly fine. And I really wasn't even worried about it. You know why? Um, awkward transition here, but I want to mention this now because we have Simply Safe. Uh, if there were to be a break in, Simply Safe uses real video evidence. In fact, you know, I've got, um, she's at work right now, so I know she's not listening, but uh, our oldest daughter uh, stayed home. And uh, she works full time, so she wasn't home a lot. But I also wasn't worried about uh, what was going on. I was I was able to play the good dad with an adult daughter. And oh yeah, honey, I trust you. Well, that's also because I've got um, I've got a video camera, courtesy of Simply Safe, monitoring the home <laughs> at any time. I can uh, I can just uh, flip that sucker up on the uh, app on my phone and uh, find out what's going on there at the day's homestead. You know, because here's the thing, too, when your adult daughter's home alone or son, for that matter, maybe even more so with him, you don't want to you don't want the house too clean either when you come home. You know what I'm saying? You know, you know it, it's it's it, no, you don't know this yet, but you will in a few years. It is a it's a balance. OK, like you don't want you, you, you don't want the place to look like a big sty, but you know that if it is spick and span. Something went on while you were gone. A cover-up is afoot? Yes, absolutely. So we had the perfect balance. And the good news is I didn't have to worry about it because I can monitor it right there on my phone with Simply Safe. It gives you comprehensive protection for your entire home. Outdoor cameras and doorbells alert you to anyone that is approaching. Entry motion, glass brake sensors guard the inside as well. It protects your home even from fires, water damage, carbon monoxide poisoning. And it's 24-7 monitoring by live security 
professionals at the exact same time. And you can even set this up yourself. I know, because I actually did, I did, well, I was going to say most. I did like half of it. And everybody knows, you know, um, I don't, you know, I don't do any of the assembly. I make the money, hand it off to the wife. Amy puts stuff together. All right. I, I don't do any of the assembly. I, I, I provide brute strength, but like no craftsmanship or precision. That's what I provide at our house. It's not craftsmanship. It's following directions. Or that. <laughs> okay. Thankfully, Simply Safe's directions were so simple, even I could follow them as well. And it's only 50 cents a day with no contracts, folks. So no long-term deals, all right? So if you want to learn more, visit simplysafe.com slash truthbombs. You'll get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial if you sign up right now. Free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. You got nothing to lose with that. Simply Safe, simplysafe.com, S-I-M-P-L-I is how that's spelled. Simplysafe.com slash truthbombs. Again, simplysafe.com slash truthbombs. We've got fake news or not coming your way next hour, as well as Pop Culture Tuesday. We're going to talk public policy at the bottom of the hour. But before we get to all of that, here's Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by the most important story of our lives. For those of you listening, what we're watching is former New York City mayor and current Democratic presidential hopeful Mike Bloomberg performing as a male Mary Poppins in what appears to be a musical rendition of the classic. I'll tell you where I'm going. First, Iowa, then New Hampshire. Maybe I can get the whole country to behave. But seriously, though, Mike Bloomberg had himself a weekend. For those of you listening, what we're watching is former New York City mayor and current Democrat presidential hopeful Mike Bloomberg performing in what appears to be a Broadway musical rendition of The Little Mermaid. Down here we got snapping turtles. Up there we got big bed bugs. Down here the waves making trouble. Up there A-Rod's taking drugs. When Mike Bloomberg wasn't dealing with old footage of him performing in musicals, he was calling farmers stupid. Anybody, even people in this room, so no offense intended, to, to be a farmer. You, it's a process. You dig a hole, you put a seed in, you put dirt on top, add water, up comes the corn. Now comes the information economy. And the information economy is fundamentally different because it's built around replacing people with technology and the skill sets that you have to learn are how to think and analyze. And that is a whole degree level different. You have to have a different skill set. You have to have a lot more gray matter. And kissing 11-year-old girls. I'm shameless. Checking in on other campaigns, Bernie Sanders can't control his own supporters. Bernie, I'm your biggest supporter. Bernie, I'm your biggest supporter. And I'm here to ask you to stop propping up the dairy industry and to stop propping up animal agriculture. Pete Buttigieg showed no self-awareness while campaigning in California. And nobody is experiencing the pain of living under this presidency more than black Americans and other Americans of color, which is why we absolutely must come together and defeat this president in November. And Joe Biden says cages at the border were good when he was vice president. At the debate in Houston, um, you said that during the Obama-Biden administration, and I quote, we didn't lock people in cages. Um, But you actually did. Not not in the same numbers as in the Trump administration, but you did. Uh, We we found a picture of an eight-year-old boy from uh, Honduras 
You know you're not telling the truth here about the comparison of the two things. I, I'm, I'm saying that the numbers in your administration were not the same as the ones we're seeing right now with the Trump well, administration. Well, beyond that, but look how quickly we got them out and got them back to families. Look mm -hmm. how we didn't engage and we sought the relatives here. We sought to get them into safe communities. We sought to get them out of the control of Homeland Security to get them safe. But they came unaccompanied, unaccompanied. 538's latest projections for the upcoming Super Tuesday contests has Bernie Sanders winning every state but Minnesota and Alabama, where Amy Klobuchar and Joe Biden have the best chances, respectively. However, 538's latest projections for the Democrat race as a whole have the chances of no candidate winning a majority, even with Bernie Sanders' chances. In other news, the porn lawyer Michael Avenatti is headed to prison. The former frequent CNN guest who some in the media like Brian Stelter and Joy Behar thought could run for president in 2020 was found guilty of trying to extort the shoe company Nike. He faces up to 42 years in prison. Joining us once again is Michael Avenatti. Let's bring in Michael Avenatti. Michael Avenatti. Michael Avenatti. Michael Avenatti, thank you very much. He's out there saving the <laughs> Look, country. It, it, Don Meacham says he may be the savior of the republic. You are something of a folk hero now. I owe Michael Avenatti an apology. I've been saying enough already, Michael. I've seen you everywhere. What do you have left to say? I was wrong, brother. You have a lot to say. I uh, am just dying to hear what you think. These people all like you. I'm the only person right here Donald Trump fears more than Robert Miller. We think you guys are the tip of the spear that's going to take down Donald Trump. That montage courtesy of the Washington Free Beacon. A Virginia Senate committee voted yesterday to block the so-called assault weapons ban proposed by lawmakers in that state. Four Democrats voted with Republicans against the measure. Boy Scouts of America has filed for bankruptcy after a myriad of sex abuse lawsuits have plagued the 110-year-old organization in recent years. Scores of lawyers are seeking settlements on behalf of several thousand men who say they were molested as scouts by scoutmasters and other leaders decades ago. Checking in on tweets from across the pond, London's mayor says, quote, Trans women are women. Trans men are men. Non-binary people are non-binary. All gender identities are valid. End quote. Richard Dawkins tweets, It's one thing to deplore eugenics on ideological, political, and moral grounds. It's quite another to conclude that it wouldn't work in practice. Of course it would. It works for cows, horses, pigs, dogs, and roses. Why on earth wouldn't it work for humans? Facts ignore ideology. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is filling her free time by appearing on a program which depicts drag queen contests. I'm Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and I pledge allegiance to the drag. And finally, animal rights activists versus an 18-wheeler. And that's what happened while we were away. Yes. Aaron's montage brought to you by, speaking of animals, this is uh, our pet's new obsession, rough greens uh, that we put in his food every single day. Now, it is not a dog food. It is a supplement for your dog's food or his drink, if you prefer, uh, because even the food that we are giving our dogs is dead, similar to the food that we are eating nowadays as well, and for the exact same reason, so it can get the most mass production with the longest shelf life to boot, which means they take out those probiotics, prebiotics, enzymes, vitamins healthy microbacteria. That's why we're all taking so many supplements today. Well, your dog needs them too because that stuff's been stripped out of its food as well. And that's where Rough Greens VitaSmart comes in. Even if you're buying the most expensive dog food on the market, it's lacking a lot of these key nutrients. So let Rough Greens VitaSmart 
fill in the blanks for you. And apparently it tastes great because my dog is obsessed with it. All right. So um, he can't be here uh, to speak for himself today, but uh, he would affirm it if you saw his empty dog dish within three seconds every single morning. All right. Roughgreens.com slash blaze is how you can give it a shot. Rough is spelled R-U-F-F. Roughgreens.com slash blaze. Roughgreens.com slash blaze or give them a call at 833-MY-DOG-33. That spells out to 833-693-6433-833-693-6433. We are going to discuss what happened in the Virginia State Senate over the weekend where Democrats on that committee helped to kill uh, the uh, blackface governor's uh, gun ban there and what that may mean, if anything, about the gun issue and or this coming election cycle. We'll get into that today in the overtime uh, right here at Blaze TV. If you're a Blaze TV subscriber, good news for you. BlazeTV.com slash Dace is where it will be posted later today. And if you're not yet one and you want to subscribe to Blaze TV, go there as well to get a discounted subscription so you don't miss that and any of the other stuff that uh, is done exclusively by the whole team here at Blaze TV. But an interesting mixture of Aaron's montage uh, this, this morning or afternoon, depending on what time zone you're watching, that is kind of a mixture of wonk and worldview. So let's let's go to the worldview first, if we could, because it also ties into some wonk at the same time. Um, and and that's what's going on right now with the Boy Scouts of America. The Boy Scouts of America are a dead letter. And that's always what the American left wanted to do to that organization. In the last couple of years here on the show, Todd has reintroduced us to a, uh, a word of yesteryear when we were smarter as a people, and kids used to use these words in schoolyards, and now we as the adults have to Google them because we don't know what it means, all right? But the, the word Todd reintroduced us to was iconoclast, and that's a nice multi-syllable fancy word for, I want to smash your stained glass windows. That, that's, that, that's really what it means. I, I, I want to crush your relics in history. I want to end your way of life. That That's really what it means. And all of the lawsuits and challenges to the Boy Scouts, you know, I, I predicted this and I wasn't alone. Anybody who's any student of history could have told you the day that they succumbed, it was the end. Mark the time. It's just, it. that was it. It was just a matter of you're mortally wounded and it's just a matter of when you're done bleeding out. And, it, it goes to show from a worldview perspective a couple of key points that, that I don't think in the era in which we live, we can reinforce them enough. Number one, the darkness has no interest in sharing with the light. It's lying to you. And then the minute that it feels as if it has the advantage, it will teach you that you will be made to care. That every time you turn into Tolerance Boulevard, it is a one-way street. Or, in this case, a dead end. And that it's claims of neutrality and syncretistic sharing and diversity are always, always, always is a tough word. But not in this case. Always a lie. Always. It is always a lie right from the pit of hell. It's always a lie. And once it has you disarmed, once it has you thinking, 
you know, maybe I can get out of this without offending people or losing family members or career opportunities or, you know, I, I, I found the third way. Um, you know, I, 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 I instead of the, the magic bullet theory of the Warren Commission, I, the magic philosophy theory. I, I found the, the one way to zig and zag and zoom and, and found a way to, to not offend the very forces that want to end our way of life while still pretending to believe the things they're most offended by. No, you did not. No, you did not. And you can't ever please them. Which brings me to point number two. You cannot ever please this movement, force. So don't try. Don't even try. Now, that doesn't mean go out there and be, um, you know, uh, a, a, a bunch of bungholes, a j- bunch of jerkwads, okay, a bunch of scruffy-looking nerf herders on purpose. That doesn't mean we go out there and, uh, and on purpose attempt to repel people that maybe if we gave them a chance to consider what we offer, they would agree with. That's not what it means. What it means, though, is that's being conscientious, conscientious and a good steward of your testimony, of your platform, of your philosophy, of your values. Nothing wrong with that, okay? But just know, though, that if you spend any amount of time more concerned with how you're going to say it as opposed to what you're going to say, you have already lost this argument. There is no pleasing this because the terms are thus. You slit your throat or we will do it for you. All these leftists, all these pagans that wanted to paganize and sodomize the Boy Scouts of America, where, where were they lining up to pay their legal, bees, legal fees and legal bills? Where, they clearly have the money. Look at the amount of money Pete Buttigieg can raise from Podunk, BFE, Indiana to run for president. And according to 538, we'll get that in a, get to that in a moment, win not another state the rest of the way. And dude is still a printing press. So don't tell me those lefties don't have the money for this. They do. But they didn't exactly line up. Once, the, once they got the boys, they pressured the Boy Scouts and cornered them into reversing the jersey. They didn't necessarily line up to bail them out, did they? Nah. Tano looked at him and said, what do you mean we, Lone Ranger? Because the plan was never, ever to bend the Boy Scouts to a more tolerant 2.0, but to end it altogether. Because that's their plan corporately for American civilization. To end it all together. And everything, that anything, any pillar, any institution that seeks to conserve, defend, preserve those foundations of Americana, you're next if you're not already under fire. And understand, you cannot negotiate your way out. There's no negotiating. The Klingons don't take prisoners. The deal is, you slit your throat or they do it for you. And this goes for 90% of the Republicans you elect, which are as useful as mammary glands on a bull. 
sitting around in their cloak rooms on Capitol Hill in their caucus rooms at your state house, game planning out how they're going to do with the things, any of the stuff you want them to do without angering the forces that would never in a million years, never, ever vote for them, ever, ever, no matter what. Because the terms, again, are thus. You slit your throat or they do it for you. Those are the terms of surrender. That's it. And somebody over at the Boy Scouts forgot to be prepared. Let this be a cautionary tale. And if you're at, if you're at a network that wants to challenge these people, your advertisers are boycotted a fox. Where your hosts are targeted for banishment like a blaze or a daily wire. Just pick a place. Let the Boy Scouts be a lesson to you. Our answer is not just no, but bleep, bleep, no. Nope. No. And you're welcome to do your worst. We will not placate. We will not subjugate. Because we'll get nothing out of it if you do. You'll get nothing out of it if you do. Nothing. You slit your throat or they do it for you. Now, to the wonk part of this. If those 538 projections on Super Tuesday are anywhere close. Aaron, I don't know if you have that graphic handy. You can throw that up there again. One second. If those are anywhere, and what I mean by anywhere close, I mean, if if, if it's 50%, if they got 50% of that right, this is over in 12 days. Now, it won't be officially over. You know, it was over when Ted Cruz dropped out on May 3rd, 2016, but Trump didn't actually, you know, officially clinch it for about another three and a half weeks, the total delegate count. But for all intents and purposes, if what they're forecasting to happen, why in 12 days? Because that's when Super Tuesday is, March 3rd. And that's when California goes, is on Super Tuesday, March 3rd. So if what 538 forecast over the weekend they think is going to occur between now and Super Tuesday on March the 3rd, if that is 50% accurate, then it's over. It's over on March the 3rd. I mean, if, if Pete Buttigieg can't win in Virginia, tons of suburban, exurban voters, Obama re, you know, relocators there. Um, I mean, that's his state, man. That, in fact, when we were going through this last week, that was one of the ones we targeted for him, right? I think there's, so. There's a Virginia pullout today that has him at 11%. And, the, and it's, it's early yet, but keep in mind, his name ID is not low to the Virginia Democratic voting community. You know what I'm saying? So if, if, if Pete Buttigieg can't, it can't be competitive in Virginia, then he's essentially spent as an electoral figure at this point. It's just, he's just going out and talking and raising name ID and being somebody, but he's not a threat. If, if he can't win in, if, if he can't win in Colorado where they have a gay governor, then he's, then he's, he's not viable. So when you look at this, when you look at this, all right, Nevada, South Carolina, and, and, and whoever put out the poll yesterday that, that Tom Steyer was ahead in Nevada and, First of all, he didn't even qualify for the Nevada Nevada debate. And Bernie Sanders was at 13% in a caucus. Seriously, just quit. You suck at this. That's not even good propaganda. Like if you're going to put Bernie at 13% in a union caucus, put somebody other than Tom Steyer, billionaire, in first place in a union caucus, please. Can we get a better class of criminal at least around here? Even the liars suck. Gosh. Everything's terrible. No, Tom Steyer's not winning Nevada. 
Anyway, back to the 538 forecast. I just can't, the dumb, I can't, I can't. If that's 50% accurate, and that and the state of California includes that 50%, then it's over on March the 3rd. It's just a matter of how long it takes Bernie to get to the 1,900 some odd delegates, or if he doesn't even get there, but has a clear majority of them when he goes to Milwaukee this summer. Um, Mike Bloomberg's not going to be the Democratic nominee. I'm sorry, but I'm not. He's not. There's a far better chance Mike Bloomberg doesn't mark the tape on this, okay? There is a far better chance Michael Bloomberg doesn't win a single contested primary than there is he is the Democratic nominee. Far better chance. It's not even close, actually, those odds. Not even close. Not even close. He was it, omnipresent this weekend. Yeah, I know. Because <laughs> I, I think he agrees with you about the math. Yes. That's why. Yeah, but the amount of oppo dumping and everything on him, I mean, you're just letting Bernie say, and, and you, I, in a general election, that crazed woman, and, and there's more to that tape. Women were taking their tops off and everything else, okay? That, that, that video is, is, is just going to make a whole bunch of people that don't want to vote for Donald Trump in November. That kind of stuff. With Bernie as your nominee, it's either going to make him vote for Trump or not vote, which Trump is fine with that too. Because if they weren't going to vote for him, he's fine if you don't show up. Either way, it's a win, right? Whether it's a negative uh, gain or a positive one, all right? That's the kind of stuff that just kills you in a general election. That's Michael Dukakis in a tank kind of bad, all right? But in the primary, that's why he's inevitable. Because he's the only force of nature in this race. He's the only person that... That's, that's, that's his cult's version of Obama, women swooning when he talked about making the oceans rise. You have to understand, for the leftist, this is a religious experience. It's a vision quest. It is there. It's the progressive religion. He's the only one producing those kinds of responses and reactions, where people just feel like they want to get up and read from the scriptures, where people just feel like the spirit moved him. And I'm here to prophesy. He's the only one producing that level of fervor, and that's why he's going to win. You'd agree that Bloomberg, though, is clearly trying to. I mean, when you agreed with me, he's trying. He's he's Justin Hammer. He yeah. wants your to analogy be that. is perfect. He yes. wants to be Trump, and he's yeah. trying his hardest. Yeah. Whether he can pull it off, I think you're saying absolutely not. But he's he I, he's going all in now, on you're, every you're, level. Your Justin Hammer analogy is right on the money. But similar to Justin Hammer, what happened when you started looking at his products no, a little great. bit closer? They were all defective. They were put together half-assed. That's what this candidacy is. This is a guy that's just used to getting his way because he's got billions of dollars. All right? And he's already been branded a racist, misogynist. Um, I mean, he's had a terrible weekend. He's not going to be. First of all, he never was. He never was. But he's, he's not going to be the Democratic nominee. All right? Now, I understand why he's doing what he's doing. I even understand that he's doing it the way that he's doing it because a majority of Democrats do not want Bernie Sanders to be their nominee and a majority of Democrats, either because they're not that far left or they think they are, but they know it can't win, don't want that element in front of the country for the next six months. They know what it will do. They know that, okay? But the problem is Michael Bloomberg is too flawed of a vehicle. Too flawed of a vehicle. He's got way, 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 way too much red in the ledger. And you can see what happens. And the, 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 the apparatus in control of this party will not permit someone to arise that most of their base actually wants. They won't. He's getting absolutely annihilated and destroyed right now. Why? Because your Justin Hammer analogy was perfect. And the minute 
And so they, let's let's start look let's start reverse engineering his tech. But let's start looking under the hood at what he's got going here. And there's a lot of really ugly stuff and elitist stuff there under the hood. Okay. Like there's, there's, there's far, there's more than even just that, that farmer video that that's all over right now. And the more they oppo dump on him, you know, who's just off there over there kind of operating in his own world. They can't unify behind a candidate. Michael Bloomberg's trying to be the opposite candidate. They're oppo dumping him to death as we speak. And they're let, and Bernie Sanders gets to just operate over here like he's his own independent state within their party while the you know who else did that donald trump did now the difference was trump was getting oppo dumped in ways that bernie is not all right we're oppo dumping bernie right now on the right but it's too early for that and we have no say in what happens in the democratic primary but on the the democratic side there's no oppo dumping of bernie going on right now none I mean, Joe Biden is still being scrutinized harder than Bernie Sanders. So maybe, they, maybe they've just, maybe they're coming to grips already with the inevitability of this. When you look at the polls of, of minority voters, who is gaining on Uncle Joe? Comrade Sanders is. He's the only one growing their support. Other than um, among of, of, of people who have a chance among minority voters, so it's like it's almost like fate is intervening on behalf of Bernie Sanders and contriving the perfect scenario for him uh, to ascend as America's Jeremy Corbyn, and it's going to happen. He will be their nominee. More in a moment. Big media, big tech. A lot of these entities are now uh, in bigly with the American left. Um, And that's been a major change in the last era where corporate America was seen as sort of a traditional right of center constituency. And we have seen mainly because the worldview of who sits in a lot of uh, the front office seats in corporate America is full onboard progressive. They are funding a lot of the leftist causes, a lot of those iconoclastic causes we were talking about last segment are being funded uh, by a lot of big business in America. Now, unfortunately, you you don't always get the option to do business with people who agree with you. That's just the reality in a pluralistic society. But when that option presents itself, especially if you get the same reliable service you can get from the people who hate you, why not take full advantage of it? And that's why you need to support a company like Patriot Mobile. It's the only cell phone service that donates a portion of your monthly bill to organizations fighting for the values you believe in, like the Second Amendment, the right to life, religious freedom, etc. And they've got plans starting as low at 20, as $25 a month with the same unlimited talk texting available from the big guys as well. The same nationwide 4G reliable service you get from the big guys as well. You can even bring uh, your own phone, your own, your old number, or get a new phone, new number, wh- whichever you prefer. All right. And if you want to make the switch, Go to PatriotMobile.com slash Steve and get free activation when you use the offer code there, Steve Plus. 
or Steve, I'm sorry, when you use the offer code there, Steve, at patreonmobile.com slash Steve. Offer code Steve. Free activation on any new line that you open, plus they'll throw in a free gift as well, all right? patreonmobile.com slash Steve. Use the offer code Steve uh, for a free activation on a new line, plus a free gift. Or if you want to call them instead, uh, you can call them right now at 972-PATRIOT. That's 972-PATRIOT. Well, I got to be honest, because we always try to be on this show, at least as best as we possibly can. I didn't expect to see a lot of attempts this year at what we're going to be talking about uh, here for the next few minutes, because um, we just don't have a lot of serious policy conversations around here very often. Um, And... When I mean around here, I mean on, on the American right. I, I would like there to be. This is like the bane of our good friend Daniel Horowitz's existence. Okay, He's been trying to spend his career having these sorts of conversations uh, as opposed to you know the low-lying, click servity kind of fruit that uh, often gets served up nowadays. So when, Todd, you saw this, um, this is, we're going to talk with uh, Matthew Peterson over at the Claremont Institute. This is an attempt to actually have like a real, po- like use the election to talk about issues. Yeah, not uh, just not just trolling. Both Matthew Claremont Institute, American Mind, they are consistently both in generally defining what conservative is for the future, and now specifically in a series of uh, uh, attempts to say how that should play out in actual practice. Uh, no one's more consistency, uh, consistent on the American right than these folks are right now. Well, let, let's bring Matthew in. Matthew, let me lead off. Did you know what Joy Williams said at 5 a.m. yesterday on MSNBC? I, w- I didn't believe it myself. What about you, Matthew? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right. What? what? I don't even know. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm kidding. That was a that was a that was a bad Praises. joke. Let the dead bury the dead. Amen. Amen to that. Uh, good to see you, my friend. So, so where do you guys get off attempting to talk actual issues in a presidential election? I don't know if you guys were got the memo. We don't we don't do that around here anymore. Very good point. It's a it's a crazy thing. It's a it's a, it's wild. It's unheard of. Um, but for us, actually, it's nothing new. I mean, we don't we don't care about clicks. We don't care about uh, uh, you know establishing our little fiefdoms on the right. We've come in, in the last two years and uh, really really called a lot of people out at Claremont. And so we're what what I think is more interesting though is not the debates. It's establishing the intellectual foundation for changing the party uh, so that it can win for the next generation. And, you know, I think that in many ways, whatever his faults are, Trump points in that direction. But we have a lot of people who don't want to go in that direction who are in leadership. The people are out in front. The people show that the party is willing to rethink foreign policy. The people show that the, they, they, they tell us the party is willing to rethink uh, economic policy. So it's not communist, but also supports workers. Uh, you know, crazy. Could we even have something like that? Uh, but we have a lot of uh, supposedly smart people who aren't thinking these things through. And the Claremont Institute has always been about the principles of the American founding and their relevance in contemporary uh, American life. And so at this point, we're doing it ourselves. And so we're going to have a rethinking policy series over the course of the next nine months that takes uh, you know radical, bold, new positions on in various subject areas. And uh, we're, we're also going to actively try to seek to influence the platform uh, in so far as we can uh that will be you know that will be up this summer uh, at the convention 
So there's there's lots that needs to be done. And I'll tell you, the good news is we're not alone. There's a few, you know, scat there's scattered folks out there trying to do what we do, but um, the leadership still is is against this. One of the things that's boggles my mind. Well, one of the things that's a frustration to me is: do we want yeah. to defeat the ideology we're up against, or do we just want to kvetch and bitch and moan about it and tweet about it and and get booked yeah. on Fox complaining, or do we want to actually defeat it? Because I, I, that 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 actually seems to be a huge debate. I mean, I, that I I just want the talking point, but do I want to do something about it? Which is why I found your initial foray in this series fascinating. You guys just kind of come out swinging here. Abolish FISA courts uh, and the FISA program, which is the surveillance program, and then as well as the CIA. I mean, if, hey, if you guys say you hate the deep state, you say you hate coup d'état, post-election coup d'états, you want limited government. Let's start there. All right. Now, I'm not even sure I wholeheartedly agree with your with your proposition. Okay, but I but I love the fact you're at least begging a question and and forcing a debate as opposed to let's all just remain in our neo progressive corporatist bubble and um, and let's just uh, roll Cato Institute white papers with our legalized marijuana. I like that. Yeah, no, and you're exactly right. I mean, it's a it's a bold proposition that, um, that some people will initially say, well, maybe that goes too far. But but my premise for all these essays is, okay, if we want to stop talking and we want to win, what do we need to do? And it's astounding how weak our intellectual supposed leaders are in D.C. on the right because they, they would be shocked and they are shocked and appalled by this essay. And what Angelo Cotavilla does, who has a lot of experience over the course of almost 80 years of his life in this area, is say we need to restructure intelligence so that it it stays constitutional and it gets out of domestic politics. And so his solution is getting rid of FISA, which he was around for at the birth and was against uh, back in 1978 when they started the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, uh, which was supposed to help things, but obviously didn't. And CIA as well is a agency that in many ways is unsupervised. And so he's, he's trying, he gives uh, in this essay, uh, which is called Abolish uh, Fi- CIA and FISA at AmericanMind.org, he gives uh, a, a way of restructuring the entire way we do intelligence, right? All the agencies so that they're more accountable uh, politically. Now, this is the kind of bold move you make if you want to win, right? If you, you look at the problem and say, yeah, collusion was a joke. This whole thing was a, a sham. It shows the depth of the quote-unquote deep state. It's not a conspiracy, but it's a organized body of, uh, of folks in government who think that they should rule rather than the American people. Let's structurally solve that. And, and I, what boggles my mind is, you know, for instance, if I, if I said on any issue, I said maybe things have gotten so bad over the last hundred years as the progressives have won, the last, the liberal century of the last, the last century, maybe things have gotten so bad, we should think about clarifying some parts of the Constitution, right? Maybe you disagree with that. But why would people on the right have a knee-jerk response and go, oh my gosh, that's crazy? No, no, we just have to continue to be losers and obey what the last century of, of liberals have set up for us. I think that's ridiculous, and there's no reason for uh, that to go on. If the name Angelo Cotavella sounds familiar to anybody in our audience, uh, several years ago he penned, I think, um, maybe the most important essay on the right in my career uh, with, uh, with the ruling class. Um, and, I mean, I, I thought it was 
And I said this, I was just a local radio host at the time when, when, when that came out. And I went through it over the course of several episodes with my audience, like word for word. I mean, I, I thought, I thought it was like a 95 theses kind of, um, political, uh, hermeneutic, uh, into what he was laying out. And that's what, what, what you're attacking here is this, is this premise that conservatism means conserving systems as opposed to conserving um, goodness, righteousness, the, conserving a system for a system's sake, for example. Um, and, and then I think we, you know, we claim to be the students of history. And I don't agree with my libertarian friends on everything, but one argument that they have won with me over the years, Matthew, is what my mama used to say, it ain't no fun when the rabbit's got the gun. Meaning, whenever you establish a precedent or a premise that you are willing to let uh, government go in and, and, uh, and establish itself, uh, as, whether it's a beachhead or dominance, in this particular area, because, quote unquote, your guys are in charge right now, okay? Make sure you are okay with what happens when your guys are not, Right. And I remember when I first started, I first had this argument with some of my libertarian friends was when, in the George W. Bush years on the Office of Faith-Based Initiatives. And they were adamant that was a terrible idea. And I just kind of originally straw man the whole thing as, okay, well, I mean, yeah, you, know, you guys just, you know, secularists, whatever. And, and then I listened to their arguments. And the point is, you sure you want a Democratic president to decide what the conditions are on uh, who you have to hire, what they have to believe in order to get that money? You sure? Are you sure on the precedent you want to set? And then the very next president, Barack Obama, we saw him do the very things that, I, that we were warned about would happen. The FISA program and the way it was expanded post 9-11, I think, is another example. Hey, it sounds great. You know, when you're going to get the bad guys, you know, on those WMDs in Iraq we never found with Dick Cheney operating uh, the uh, surveillance state. But then all of a sudden, what happens when Dick Cheney, your buddy, goes away and the other side gets a hold of it? And Jim, and Jim Comey gets to utilize it and manipulate it. And Andrew McCabe instead. That, that's kind of, I hear you guys going down a similar bent with some of these arguments. Yeah, I, well, I, I think also you, you make a, a really important point when you distinguish between, uh, you know, what are you trying to conserve? Uh, is that an institution? Well, maybe, but the institution has to be good. And good. That's that's the key word you use. If the institution is thoroughly rotten or it's intrinsically flawed and there's no way to move it forward, uh, then we need to get rid of or restructure that institution. So this is clearly the case, for instance, in education. I mean, you're not going to piecemeal uh, reform or no child left behind away the problem of education. It needs radical, bold solutions. Mm -hmm. and, and, and what Angelo is saying when it comes to intelligence is the same thing. It's not that we don't need intelligence. He says military intelligence is often, uh, often fine. It doesn't pose a threat to America. It has clear objectives uh, because they're actually trying to do something, right? <laughs> They've been ordered to do and they use, uh, they use intelligence uh, for that end. What we can have is a free-floating domestic intelligence agency uh, that we don't have any way to put back in it in the box. We don't have any way to solve the problem. And so, so when, when, in the, when the institution is intrinsically flawed or corrupt, at a certain point, it has to be radically restructured or abolished. You see this across American society right now. And I think the difference is between uh, those people on the right who know what time it is, who tend to be the base and understand our institutions are flawed, and a lot of the leadership, which is still wants to conserve 
uh, you know, these rotten uh, outfits. And and that's not going to cut it. I think we, you know, uh, uh, prescribing motivations is in my career when I have been the most right and the most wrong. So I, I, I try to do it. I, I used to, you know, play psychoanalyst uh, freely in, when I was younger. And I, I try to refrain from doing it until it's just patently obvious what motivations are here. But I, I, I do feel that if we're going to talk about the divide between leadership and the base, and you've made that point a couple of times now, then it is important to try and, and, and understand what the motivation of leadership is to not or to continue to be loyal to these institutions because their motivations for doing so, I think, probably dictate the tactic those in the base would take in opposing um, that viewpoint or w- w- whether to even attempt to change their minds at all. So what, do you, what is it, Matthew? What do you think, in, what, what, what do you think has them continuing to want to use a lot of the systems and programs that we have seen abused uh, and, and, and really work against the country in recent years? Well, I mean, I, I don't want to just, I mean, the easy thing to do, right, which is also has some truth to it is to say, well, when you're in power, you're in, you've, you're used to the status quo, the status quo suits you. Mm-hmm. And, and so you don't want things to change because you care more about yourself at some point and your friends than you do the rest of the country. Um, and I think there's a lot of truth to that. I think there's a lot of people who are self-interested and so they don't want things to change. Um, but I don't think that's the end of the story. I, I think there's a lot of people who have goodwill. And uh, in, in those cases, I think there's a lack of imagination. Um, you know, you're used to something after so many decades. Uh, you know, how can you break out of that mindset and even consider that something else could be good? And there's a kind of denial, right? I mean, we, we're all like this, all of us. Uh, we, we all are tempted to be corrupt when we're in power and misuse power. And that's what's happening on the on the right. Uh, but also, we we all we don't want to hear it when things are bad, right? So it's called denial, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't want to hear about the problem. And so I think in many ways, you have people in D.C. on the right who are in charge who they don't want to deal with this because to deal with it means radically rethinking the entire framework of policy and the structure of the way that in which they thought they think. And, and I think that's a, you know that's a powerful uh, part of the human experience. And and. You can see it's on the left too, right? The entire kind of establishment in the United States, if you will, is in denial right now. They don't want to accept the fact that the world is changing. The people are not where they used to be. And and I think that's a dangerous place to be because if you have leadership that doesn't see or doesn't want to see what needs to change or even to allow those conversations, uh, you know, then it's, it's, it's like building up pressure that's going to burst. And I think Trump is just the beginning. I, mm, guess I things are going to... Yeah, I, I think the system, and I've said this to our audience several times the last few years, the system believes Trump is an outlier. It, it's that, that Trump is that you, you, you had, you had a midlife crisis and you jumped on the Harley, the back of the Harley with the, uh, that kid from that, that guy from school you wish you'd have hooked up with on prom night and you didn't and you've regretted it and you've just been a housewife now and you're, and you're, and you, you're like, there must be something more. You'll have your little ride, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll visit the Caribbean and Tijuana and then you'll come home, uh, you know, and, uh, and come back to your senses. That's what the system believes this is. And five seconds after he leaves, they're going to go right back to business as usual. And it'll be fascinating to see how our base reacts to that. I got about a minute. Give us a preview of what else is coming down the pike with this series, Matthew. 
uh, we're going to look at we're going to look at immigration. We're going to look at citizenship in a way that will be controversial. We're going to explore uh, birthright citizenship and the debate or the dispute about that. Mm-hmm. We're going to uh, look at education. We're going to look at how what what kind of radical bold solutions uh, you know could we bring to the table uh, to put uh, universities on the hook for debt and also to go after their endowments and in some cases actually just wholly defund them. Uh, we're going to look at the whole student loan program and how that should probably be abolished. Uh, and then in foreign policy, we're going to have crazy articles about how maybe we want something in between uh, uh, intervening every time something goes wrong in the world and isolationism. I mean, crazy, but maybe maybe there's some things we can do uh, there as well. And then when it comes to economics, we're going to really dr- hone in on uh, you know when 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 what is free market and what is not. What is a principle and what is a prudential policy in terms of uh, in terms of economics? Because that's a very difficult issue that we need to uh, to rethink these days. Like I say, a workers' party without being socialist uh, is that possible? I think, of course, it is, and we'll discuss that as well. Quickly, let people know where they can go to follow this series. Yes, this is all at AmericanMind.org. It's published by the Claremont Institute, where I'm vice president for education. We run a lot of fellowship programs, and we litigate and write a lot. So. The publication is American Mind, and it's at theamericanmind.org. Great stuff, Matthew. Thanks uh, for kicking the uh, hornet's nests. We're going to be following it this year here for sure. We'll have you back again as well talking about it. All right, take care. Take care. It's been fun, and it's going to get a, a whole lot crazier this year. We look forward to it. All right, you bet. Thanks, man. We'll come back with hour number two, Fake News or Not, and Pop Culture Tuesday coming your way next year on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Stay tuned. <laughs> All right, we are back with our number two live and on demand here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. 888-900-3393 is the number. 888-900-3393. Steve Dacer alongside Todders and Aaron McIntyre. You can also let us know what you think about what we think. Steve at stevedace.com, D-E-A-C-E. That's how you can email the program. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And if you're looking for some freebies of the show that uh, you can sample and share, go to youtube.com slash Steve Dace, youtube.com slash Steve Dace. If you're a podcast listener to the show, by the way, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review, please keep those coming. The more of those we get, the more that helps the show to grow. And that's how you can give back to us because we give so much to you. So we only ask for just a little bit in return. Just leave us one of those five-star reviews. And if you're one of the thousands that have done that for us already, please consider leaving five, six more, even create burner accounts that would perm- uh, permit you to just keep you know, uh, stuff in the ballot box there. I'm not sure if those will count or not, but I mean, I'm, I'm willing to pad our numbers and take our, our best shot, all right? Thank you to all of you that have left us one of those five-star reviews already. Fake news or not, brought to you by Riduzone, who's got a reality check. How is that New Year's resolution to eat right and lose weight? How's that going for you here so far in 2020? You know, dieting alone can be very difficult. 
And working out absolutely helps, but you ultimately cannot out-train a bad diet. That's where Riduzone comes in. It is the only FDA-accepted product that includes OEA. That is the naturally occurring molecule that helps you feel full faster and burns stored fat while reducing your caloric intake as well. Riduzone, therefore, makes it easier to resist those cravings and keep those portion sizes under control because those are the things that ruin your resolve. It's not so much usually anyway, it's not so much what you're eating, but how much. So right now, if you use promo code Steve, when you go to Riduzone.com, that's R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E, promo code Steve at Riduzone.com, you can save up to 65% on your order. That's a massive discount. They'll throw in free shipping as well. Promo code Steve at Riduzone.com, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E. Let's get to it. It's our weekly rendition of fake news or not. And again, the ground rules are, with very few exceptions, we don't bother fact-checking enemy media that considers you and I the media. We don't uh, fact-check Russia Today or Al Jazeera, so there's no point in fact-checking MSNBC or CNN, for that matter, because they're part of another country, uh, and uh, they are the propaganda arm of an invading armada. All right, so we're more interested, we only will show video and look at those platforms, when people on them are supposedly from the what's left of America. So we're looking at people and platforms that are supposedly bringing the news to us are they or is it fake news all right you guys ready to go yeah i have selected the clips todd and aaron will decide which is fake and which is not clip number one is there a gap this is i found the way this analysis was framed i i i I try i know sometimes you guys get frustrated and i'll tell you up front why i chose this clip i'm always afraid that if i tell you up front why i chose this clip i'll 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 bias the sample. You know what I'm saying? Where I, I really want to know what you guys think without me tainting it. This is one time, though, I, I'm, uh, maybe I should explain. I found the way that this analysis was framed, uh, that there's a, there's a gap between enthusiasm and electability in the Democratic Party. The way that this analysis was framed, I thought, was unique and worthy of consideration. Here's the clip got Bernie Sanders over here on the left and with Elizabeth Warren starting to fade, seeming to have a pretty clear shot in his path. And meanwhile, you've got the center lane all clogged up with Buttigieg and Klobuchar and Biden and uh, Bloomberg about to get into it. How well is this setting up for Bernie Sanders to be the Democratic nominee? Well, the fundamental problem the Democrats have is they have a, a big gap between enthusiasm and electability. So it seems like all the energy on the base is for Bernie or for somebody on the left side of the party. Party, but then you have an establishment and a leadership in the party who really worries that going that far to the left just guarantees a Trump re-election and we need some more moderate person to uh, play nationwide. But they can't settle on who that more moderate person is. Todd, I'll start with you. What do you think of that, an- that analysis that the Democrats have a problem between enthusiasm and electability? There's a gap there within their primary. Well, yeah, that that's true, but it, it's not just this primary. It goes all the way back to the uh, beginning uh, of the Trump presidency, and many people have said it before all, about uh, the left. All they had to do was not be insane. That's been ongoing, mm-hmm. but we've been saying all the time they can't stop, they won't stop. So this is this is not saying anything new. In fact, if he's just figuring this out, he should have been watching us like three years ago. We've been saying all the time that this is just the, the, the tension between what progressive wants to be and this notion of, but but whoever beats Trump, that mo- a lot of people, whoever beats Trump really 
if you showed them what that looked like, then they would their head would explode because they don't really believe that because it would be somebody that we don't see in politics anymore on the left. Honestly, if you if you did this blind taste test, it would probably be Mitt Romney they'd be voting for or something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, I've I've done this before. I think I did this in Rules for Patriots where I took the um, the the eight years of domestic accomplishments under Bill Clinton and the eight years of domestic accomplishments under George W. Bush. Right. And I just asked, you know, blind taste test, you know, the old Pepsi challenge when we were kids, which one of these do you think is the conservative? And Bill Clinton's eight years is far more, is far more favorable to what we believe than George W. Bush's. Now, I understand mitigating circumstances. You had the Republican Congress, and I, I get all of that. But the end result is we got much better domestic policies under Bill Clinton than we did George W. Bush. Now, that doesn't mean I think Bill Clinton's a better president or even a better person, of course, than George W. Bush. On the latter, I could argue he's a better president, but I certainly wouldn't argue he's a better person. But but if you're getting better results under people that you'd prefer to not vote for, I, shouldn't that cause you to maybe do a little reflection into how you're coming up with the can, your own candidates then, where, where, yeah, but, where they're actually coming from? Then. Well, but they're not even in framing this discussion, and you pointed this out last week, they're not even willing to entertain the reality of there's, there's really no leftist lane and moderate lane. You got pointed right. out, what is what, what daylight really is there right. between what they would None. do in practice? I mean, Pete so Buttigieg that, wrote when he was a young, young man that Bernie Sanders was his political exactly. idol. They're, they're, the difference, and I'm not just telling you this, the reality is the difference in their policies is, is, is almost irrelevant. Moderate in the Democratic Party today is defined by your temperament, not your ideology. Meaning, do I shake my fist at you? Do I do I do I jackboot you right to the throat? Do I do I am I a Soviet or am I a Marxist? That's really what moderate means in the Democratic Party. And when today. the existence yes. of that in light of Republicans just kind of saying, okay, whatever, and not doing things uh for decades leads to Donald Trump. How is having this conversation over again going to lead to anything other than Trump 2.0? It's just not. Aaron. Yeah, and for those listening, I want to add as well that that analysis that we heard in that clip just a few moments ago, that's from Michael Anton. He's a former deputy national security advisor for the Trump administration. And I'm trying to put the the shoe on the other foot here. And and it seems like (laughs) I've heard this analysis before for Republican presidential primaries. And it's usually about the, the, the candidate that the base supports. But it's from the prism of... Uh, well, it's from the prism of of the same uh, same kind of I, I don't know perspective that they think they're giving on that Fox panel that we just heard with with Chris Paul, uh, Wallace that well they're too way too far left. But as you just diagnosed, none of them are. They're all in the same place. It's just how, how you know who is actually waving and shaking their fist uh, more than the other person. Mm-hmm. We hear this type of analysis on the other side of the aisle as well. A- analysis. I'm doing air quotes on the other side of the aisle as well. Um, candidate X is not electable because they are too far right. And it's usually it's usually uh, the same type of analysis given, except it's actually it's actually uh, they, they actually do kind of, di- you know, diagnose the lanes a little bit better. It's usually uh, they're too far right. So we need to vote for the squish in the middle like uh, Mitt Romney because he's just more electable that that type of analysis. The diagnosis is more accurate. The analysis would be uh, the same on the uh, on the right as well. It's just uh, it, it would just be a little bit 
different, if that makes sense at all. It, it would, it's the same analysis that we get from squishes on the right, except they're actually wrong. But it would be right in the other case. But it would be right. Exactly. Right. Right. Wrong. I, you know, terms are 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 difficult. But yeah, it would be the same type of thing. But they would be wrong. All right. China and coronavirus. Is somebody lying here? Next clip. Joining me right now is Senator Tom Cotton himself. He sits on the Senate Armed Services Committee. He has been speaking out about China's response to this fatal virus. Maria, the situation is very grave, in part because, as you say, China was lying from the beginning and they're still lying today. And also because there are so many unknowns about this virus. For example, how many people one person can infect once they have the virus, the extent to which it's contagious before one is symptomatic, or the mortality rate. That's why I've been saying for almost a month now that an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, to quote Benjamin Franklin, and why the president was so smart to ban travel coming from China um, just a couple weeks ago so we didn't have more than 20,000 people landing in our country every single day from mainland China. All right, Aaron, is that fake news or not? And as an added bonus, if you think it is fake news, what would be China's motivations for lying about the severity of, of uh, of this pandemic? Well, it's it's not fake news. I believe um, Cotton is right there. It's it's not. I I find it. You know, I find it very hard to believe that a a, a country that up until recently enforced stringently the one child policy. Uh, I, I find it really difficult to believe that they would they would lie about uh, how how many people of their their own citizens are being killed by a virus. So I do not believe that it is fake news. I believe Cotton is is right on the money that they. They uh, they that China is lying. Now, as far as their motivations for lying, there are a number. Uh, there are a number of things. None of them are good, but there are, are a, a number of reasons why they could be lying. I I would like to posit this. I'd like to posit this. This could be way out there. I think it's just as likely as anything. But here's here's the deal with coronavirus. Um, it is it, it it presents for most people unless you have a pre-existing condition it presents like a common cold it is killing some healthy people as well but i think we hear common cold well that shouldn't be a big deal it can be true that it's like a common cold but in a country like china that's still a really big deal because of how close people how close proximity people live to each other uh, their sanitation is still third world standards in a lot of uh, of places so it can still cause a huge problem for china i think economically to admit that it, this is maybe as big of a problem as what some people are stipulating that it could be, that could put China in a very weak bargaining position, which they do not want to be. So that would be that's one possibility that I'm here that I'm not hearing very much. I'm hearing a lot of conspiratorial stuff, which mm-hmm. we don't know is untrue about how this there's this t- secret top secret uh, you know you know laboratory studying these types of things there this was a biological, biological weapon, weapon that went wrong they chernobyl their own people with a bio like weapon i think yeah, it's just as too. simple yeah. as it could just be they don't want to put themselves at a risk of being in a uh, at a bad place as far as bargaining uh, at the uh, world economic table. So well, that's what those I'm two things with. aren't in conflict. I mean, if you, if you buy into this, was they chernobyl their own sure. people with a bio weapon? Sure. Regardless of whatever the origins of the disease are, they would certainly have a lot of economic motivations to not conceal the the the, the true breadth of um of, of its devastation because 
they're in the midst on in, in, in several economic battles right now uh, on in, within you know in the global economy. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but you don't have to necessarily believe the Chernobyl thing. I'm not saying that that's not right, true. Right. That, I, we don't know, but you don't have to. Yeah, regardless that. of its origins, innocent yeah. or conspiratorial, the the, the I, I agree with the analysis that I mean, if if you are if you're trying to because this economics is largely perception. Right. And so if the perception is that you've got a a major domestic issue on your doorstep, then maybe you're not as formidable on the global economic stage with, uh, you know, the cleanup in aisle nine in your own backyard. Mm -hmm. Todd, what do you think? Well, if you follow me at all on Twitter, you probably know what I think. But right out of the gate on this, I did hashtag assume you're being lied to on this. It this was made for that uh, theme of our show this year. You are when it comes to disease uh, and medicine, whether in China or in America and pharmaceuticals, you are being lied to on some level. I also cannot be sure about what you're being lied to about, but you are being lied to. All right. Next clip for fake news or not. Why do you think McCabe uh, is getting off here from the DOJ? He's already admitted to lying, right, Trey? Is there something we don't know that the DOJ is clearing Andrew McCabe? Well, Andy McCabe is not being indicted for a very discreet fact pattern, which is simply the, the leaking of information to bolster his own credibility during the Clinton investigation. That's it. Um, and, and we should have known weeks ago when they were having trouble getting an indictment. If you're having trouble getting an indictment, then there's no way you're going to get a conviction. You've seen a change in the U.S. Attorney's Office in the District of Columbia. So he escapes indictment for that narrow fact pattern. But that has nothing to do with FISA and the initiation of Russia and, 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 and any other potential misconduct that Andy McCabe may have engaged in. Fake news or not there? What do you think? Uh, that, that seems to be the kind of boilerplate that he's known for. And that frustrates you to no end. Trey, like it's, all hat, no it, cattle. Yeah, th- that's uh, fake yeah. tough guy kind of stuff. Like, I don't know, maybe I, I'm not interested in th- what he said technically is what's going right. on here. After the long train of abuses that your candidacy has put up against with this guy this isn't about technicalities anymore. So that that's also fake news on, on some level. What part of yes, he lied, but he's got a but but there's a thin fact pattern to try him here. What part of that is what part of that is actually actually squares? He lied. Dowdy says that, but yes, there's a thin fact pattern. What? What? See, <clears throat> this is this is one of the things that this is this is one of the corners that I get put in in this era that I would I would like to Bartleby the Scrivener and prefer not to, okay? But my own conscience won't let me get away with it, and 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 so I'm going to say something here. I will not say on Twitter. And the main reason I won't say it on Twitter is I just don't want to put up with the dumb after I say it, okay? From people, you know, that will take it purposefully out of context and or hate me anyway. But here's the reality. Uh, I, I, what what was the what was the give me the exact phrase again that that Gaudi uses there the thin, thin fact pattern thin fact pattern. Man, I I can come up with a long list of people I would rather defend than Roger Bleep and Stone. Man, a long list. A long 
list. But tell me, what what thin fact pattern makes a private citizen face what what, what was the DOJ's original recommendation? Nine years. Was it nine years or 14 years? Mm, yeah. And essentially, if you look at it, I don't like Roger Stone. Okay? Not my kind of Republican. I'm not his. Not a fan. This isn't, to me, even about him. And that's the issue. That's why I won't bring it up on Twitter, because it's always got to be about the personality. Like, like Trump wants to commute Rod Blagojevich's sentencing today. That's another thing I won't talk about on Twitter. Because... Um, a whole bunch of people that claim they're saving America will lose their damn minds at me for pointing out that's just complete and total horse bleep. What, what's draining the swamp about commuting That's cute. Uh, commuting that dude's sentence? You want to sit there and complain about what's going on with General Flynn and Rob, Rod Blagojevich gets his sentence co- commuted? That's a crock. But, but much of what, what opinions we are permitted to give in certain spheres these days for them to be taken at their face value. Come down to, are you polishing the same idol I am? Are you masturbating to the same porn I do? That's, that's often, particularly in a format like Twitter. But, but there is no, I don't, I don't have to study the briefings. I don't have to read them. I don't. I don't have to do any of that. There is no legal justification whatsoever for why a private citizen like Roger Stone is held to a higher standard for a breach of the public trust than the deputy director of the freaking FBI. And if you're putting somebody like me in a position where I now have to defend Roger Stone, that doesn't speak to my character, but yours. That's how egregious this has to be. That's, that's how obvious this has to be. That's how dumb and immoral this has to be. That I feel compelled to spend an ounce of my own capital standing up for Roger Stone. Because you cannot justify. And if you guys, I've not told you guys I was going to do this. So by all means, if you disagree, club me. Okay. I don't see how you can possibly justify a thin fact pattern, according to Congressman Worthless Gowdy. A thin fact pattern means Roger Stone gets effectively a life sentence given his age in prison. That's the recommendation, the original one from Barr's DOJ. But the frickin' former deputy head of the FBI walks? Can you explain that to me? Now, this this is endless question begging that this leads to because you're simply not capable of being the grown up. Uh, you ultimately promised me while you're talking. This makes me think uh, Trey Gowdy is basically pulling a um, uh, what's the name of the, who's running Major League Baseball right now? Rob, Rob Manfred. Right, Fred. Yeah. That's what he did. Yeah, I don't know. Kind of. It's just, no, a, just, it's just, just a piece a, of metal. Just a piece of metal. Yeah. Meanwhile. So and this is what I'm talking about. The question begging. Meanwhile, Pete Rose sitting over there all this time. He's his lawyers found an opening They're like, dude. All these players get to keep playing, right? So there's right. a lawsuit. Like, right? What game is afoot here? Because either I'm in, or I'm and they're in, or I'm out and they're out. You're dead on. 
This is just another. I'm going to underscore this real, real quick. The deep state, the elite, the ruling class, this is another indication. This is another example of the way they want things to be. This is their status quo. Injustice for me, but it actually works out for me. And injustice for thee, but you're going to be in prison. That's how they, that's how they operate. That's how they want. That's the, that's the air in which they breathe. And this is a, the, the, the dichotomy that you just pointed out, Steve. That's just another indication of that. Because they see the Roger Stones of the world. They, they, that's how they see you. They see the, they see the, uh, the, the, the former deputy FBI director. That, that's, that's how they see themselves, and, and they're going to protect themselves. All right. Next one. Um, Ron Paul. Uh, he's due to still in the league talking about President Trump. Let's begin with immigration policy. What grade would you give the president there? So I'd, I'd give him a, a low C. I, oh. I, he he doesn't get a high A, and I don't think he's completely uh, failed. Tell me about his economic policy. Where are rate, interest rates? It's it's the craziest thing ever. It's not going to work. <laughs> the biggest problem with that overall is what a lot of people are admitting now. It creates a lot of debt. Yeah. C, C, C minus. For you you are a tough grader. Foreign policy. <laughs> I mean, you. I, I just have to step in. He's probably someone that's right up your alley. If we go by what he says and what he said in the campaign, you know, he deserves a B plus. And that's they, a guarantee Too much intervention almost. for me. All right. Well, I think any intervention's too much for you. But, Congressman, uh, wait, did, did I hear <laughs> Did I hear any final grade last on foreign policy? Uh, on foreign policy, it's another C minus. Okay. Because- <laughs> God bless him. Oh, you know what, man? He is going to be a stubborn old cuss to the bitter end. And I love that about yeah. him. Agree or disagree. I just love the fact he refuses to play. I mean, I think half of what he says is nuts. Don't get me wrong. Okay. But just on a dude level, well, I just like on a dude level, I totally respect to the last, to the last. I, I am digging in my heels. I'm giving you nothing to my last dying breath. The dude code much respect. But your thoughts on that clip and, and his grading in particular, fake news or not, Todd? Well, the question is, who's faker news, him or Jesse? <laughs> yeah. It's Jesse. Yeah. What did you think was going to happen yeah. in that? And you're, I mean, he treated you civilly by not, you know, g- giving you a swirly right there on stage and actually giving him the C minus. I don't think Rod Pauly, that maybe he is losing a little on his fastball because I don't even think he believes it is a C minus for Donald Trump. <laughs> you think he created <laughs> You think Ron Paul thought, crap, I'm on Fox. I got to be nice. I'll give him some C minuses. You thought he did that? Well, he's, you know, he doesn't quite have no, I think, as much. I, I think that's funny, but I also think that's fake news. Anyway, Aaron, go ahead. So I didn't include this in the excerpts from that segment, but uh, at the very beginning when he talks about immigration, Ron Paul says. Oh, he's an open borders guy. He's an open borders guy, but yeah. he, he says this. He says, well, it depends on which day. That was probably the truest thing of any part of anything that Ron Paul said in that segment, because that makes the rest of his analysis, yeah, C minus, C minus, C minus, or D minus. Uh, yeah, that is the truest thing anybody can say on any given day regarding regarding the Trump presidency. I saw Air Force One flying around the Daytona racetrack the other day. I don't care about NASCAR. That was flipping awesome, guys. The the beast. The beast going around the, mm-hmm. the, the racetrack, that was flipping awesome, guys. Today, I'm going to commute Rod Blagojevich. 
I'm not voting for you anymore. Okay, that's the. I think that. I, so all that is to say, that's completely true news. Just on that alone, the part that I didn't put in the say in that little clip. Montage, depends on which day you ask. Depends me. on yeah. which day you ask me. That's the most true thing of any part of that. All right, we finally found. Well, I think anyway, you guys are going to decide if this is fake news or not. But I think we have finally discovered who Mitt Romney's base really is. He co-founded Bain Capital early in his career. He was governor of Massachusetts early in his career. He was the person who organized the Salt Lake, uh, Salt Lake um, Winter Olympics, one of the most successful. He was a Republican nominee um, in 2012. He's got a doctorate in law from Harvard, so another doctorate here. Um, he has 24 grandchildren. I don't know how you remember their names, but I'm told that you encourage them to call you Ike because of Dwight Eisenhower. And he's probably the most courageous lawmaker we have in the United States. Um, so. so that's Romney at a global summit of, uh, you know, uh, rich people that all are, think they're smarter and better than you uh, that are going to solve all of your problems. Receiving um, uh, his just due. Maybe that's the phrase we'll go with. Is that fake news or not, Aaron? Um, that is that is absolutely that is absolutely true news. He is the most courageous senator we have in the United States. Um, if you are a globalist elitist who cares nothing for the common man, for the farmer that uh, Michael Bloomberg called stupid, uh, who believes in nothing but trying to get rid of the old ways and win with uh, a more moderate, softer side of Sears tone to his message while all the time stabbing the very people who he needs to win the most in the back. Yes, he is definitely the most courageous senator we have in the United States. I don't know how you remember all the names of your various spawn. (laughs) Good grief. (laughs) That is true news followed by you when he said the most courageous. Mitt Romney Romney with his 24 grandkids as Republican presidential nominee uh, clearly hates women. Uh, yep. wants them barefoot yep. and pregnant, yep. wants to take away your birth control and doesn't understand that the world's overpopulated. Mitt Romney, though, uh, a, a genuflecting to them in his impeachment vote, those 24 grandchildren are, are now precious. Yep. And it's truly a, a monumental task of your, of your mnemonic talents that you can remember all of their names. I freaking, I, and, and I don't have, a, and I prayed about it. I feel real good about what I'm about yes. to say. I hate these people. There, I mean, I just absolutely hate them. There is poetry to the fact that Mitt Romney would not eat the chicken sandwich. So, yeah. that, you know, that's not what this party is about. But that's the kind of room he really yeah. wants to be in, eating whatever foie gras they ate. Oh, but he and will then take he's the still, caviar. All he gets yes. is, eh, eh. Screw you, Mitt Romney. Yeah, you deserve that, that. That was a few minutes before the next guest that they had was Hans and Franz. Now's the time on Sprockets when we dance. You know, that's, if you can't win that, uh, that audience, then man. All right, when we come back here in a minute, uh, we're going to get into uh, Pop Culture Tuesday. There is an interesting trend that it, that has occurred, and there's a lot of conversation going around about why the Birds of Prey Harley Quinn movie, that's like the first event film of the year, 
why it has failed at the box office. All right. So we're going to discuss that trend and what we think about it when we come back here live and on demand here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. Stay tuned. It is getting close to spring cleaning season. And if you are taking a look at your carpets and thinking, you know what, I just, I'm, I'm at a loss with what to do with the pet stains, the odors, et cetera. Time to bite the bullet and make a major, a major payout with new carpeting. Before you do that though, make sure you give Genesis 950 a try because it's an amazing pet stain and odor remover with water. Genesis 950 breaks down the bonds of stains and odors so that they are gone for good. It's antibacterial component removes pet stains and odors, not just from the carpet, but also from what's the real problem. And that's the padding underneath. All right. And it can be used in carpet cleaning machines. And it's so green that it's safe for your family and your pets as well. So if you're tired of pet cleaners that don't work, it's time for Genesis 950 and give it a shot before you go all in to make that major purchase for new carpets. Now, you can use this, by the way, on, on all over the home as a cleaner. Uh, the nice stuff like the quartz and granite uh, in the bathroom and in the kitchen, garage floors with grease stains, etc. But where it really shines is in your carpeting. All right, so before you purchase new carpet, you must try Genesis 950 if you want to order it right now. All right, you get a free spray bottle and a discount. If you use code blaze at Genesis950.com, that's Genesis950.com, Genesis950.com, promo code blaze to get a discount. All right, I'm guessing neither one of you, I, I, I didn't even ask before we went on the air, show prep, live and in real time, only here on the Steve Day Show. I'm guessing neither one of you have seen the Birds of Prey Harley Quinn film. Correct. Correct? Correct. All right. Did you guys see Suicide Squad when it came out a few years ago? Remind me. Did you guys ever see no. that? No. Okay. But I know enough about this topic. I've been okay. keeping track of it even before I knew this was going to be a topic. I, so. I, our family loved Suicide Squad. I know it was a big hit at the box office. I, I know it got panned on Rotten Tomatoes, but uh, we loved the movie. We, we we went and saw it actually a couple of times. And... um, um. The actress who plays Harley Quinn, whose name escapes me. Do you remember her name? It's uh, Margot Robbie. Yes. Yeah, Margot Robbie. Thank you. She was fantastic. She's, I mean, she if the the character of Harley Quinn, for people that don't know, was created by Paul Dini, who did maybe the greatest cartoon of all time. Superhero cartoon, I should say. Batman the Animated Series. That was his series. You remember that now, right? I know of it. Yeah, from the 90s. What do you do? Do you do you do anything pop culture like ever, ever? Like, like you like you don't you haven't seen like any of the stuff I've referenced, any of it. Like well, I see all the Avengers movies Star Wars and all this. Okay. Okay. Right. I mean, okay. I but this is right. this is niche by my pedestrian comic book standards. You'd okay. admit that. So. Okay, all right, that's fair. That's fair. All right, so Batman the animated series came out. Uh, I mean, I was in college at the time, and it's it it, it is it is perhaps the greatest superhero cartoon of all time and she was in that and, it, and paul dini created harley quinn as a character for this cartoon got it. to give joker a sidekick a female sidekick so she only goes back to the 90s yes and the character became so popular that dc comics put it put her in the comic books okay and that's that's where harley quinn comes from she's doesn't have a long history like it, it's only a couple of issues after bob kane created batman that there was a robin 
all right? Going back to the 40s, that's not true with Harley Quinn. Now, 1992, when Batman the Animated Series came out, is now a quarter century ago. Um, but the character has become a beloved anti-hero, uh, villainous character over the years. And um, she never made it to the, to the big screen, though, until Suicide Squad. And Margot Robbie did a phenomenal job with the character. I mean, if you know the history of the character, you follow it. She she embodied her. She nailed it completely. Okay, and so she was the breakout star, as everybody assumed she would be, of Suicide Squad. And she decided to pitch to Warner Brothers, and that she would lead a, a female gangster movie. And so one of the things you know in, in DC Comics, Harley Quinn has a couple different outfits that she teams up with independently sometimes the suicide squad is one okay and the premise of the suicide squad is um dc's version of shield okay um you know forces these super criminals they put chips in their brains that they force them to do black ops for the government and if they refuse then they just you know click the trigger and and blow their brains out all right and so they they turn them against their will into heroes that's the premise of suicide squad and the the other group that she will team up with sometimes is what's called the birds of prey and the birds of prey are actually all superheroes except for her so so black canary who's one of the oldest female superheroes I mean, she's almost as old as Wonder Woman. She's the one that has the the superhuman scream uh, throughout the course of her history. She's been tied with as a love interest for the Green Arrow, but she's been around a long, long time. Um, I mean, she goes back to the Justice Society in the 40s and 50s before there was a Justice League. Um, one of the other characters that's uh, often associated with it is called Huntress. And she's kind of a female vigilante. Her parents were, she grew up in a mob family and her family was gunned down in a mob war and she survived. And and so she goes out to get vengeance on the criminal underworld in Gotham. And sometimes Batman likes her and then sometimes he doesn't. And sometimes they've, the, over the years, they've made it that she, she's actually, uh, was was Bruce Wayne and Catwoman's daughter. It's, it, you know, this stuff gets convoluted in history, okay? But that's kind of another outfit that she will align herself with sometimes. And that's the one they base this movie on. Now we've, my wife and I went and saw this movie and we both thought it was absolutely dreadful. It is dreadful. I I couldn't believe how bad it was. It's it's, it could be the worst major release comic book movie I've ever paid to see. And I'm including justice league. And you know what I think about justice league? It's that bad. It's really bad. Um, they, Black Mask is a very popular villain of Batman lore. I, 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 you know, a, a major Gotham City underworld figure that wears a black mask to conceal his real identity, Roman Sianus, because he's the black sheep of a very wealthy, well-to-do, respected family in Gotham that went rogue and becomes a, the head of the criminal underworld of Gotham. And that's where he wears a mask to conceal his identity. And he's played by... Um, what's his face who played Obi-Wan Kenobi in the Star Wars? Ewan McGregor? Ewan McGregor plays him, yeah. Um, the Every male character in the movie is bad. Every single one. The, the cops are bad. Every, every male character in the film is terrible and turns on these women. Every single one. There are no good males anywhere to be found. They are all bad. 
Um, I, I, you know, I think they just wanted to have a lesbian member. So they took this cop named Renee Montoya, who was retconned a few years ago in the Batman comics as a lesbian, you know, to keep up with the, you know, your woke street cred. And she was in the Batman animated series too, before she decided she was a lesbian apparently. And, and she's played by Rosie Perez. Rosie Perez is, is five years older than Wilford Brimley was when he shot the movie Cocoon. She's 55. And they've got her like beating down, you know, nine pack, 300 pound members of the Gotham underworld battle royale style. It's just really believable. Yeah. It's just the, t- the movie's terrible. It's, it's complete and total trash. And so this has sparked a conversation because essentially what Margot Robbie wanted to do, it's got a female director, female producers. She's the producer, female script writers. It's all female led. And that this is supposed to be, and even Hugh McGregor says as the villain, this is supposed to be a major feminist statement. Well, if the statement being made was don't ever entrust women with a, with a, with a, a major uh, motion picture, um, you know, success. Because the movie is total trash. She clearly intended this to be DC's Deadpool. And Deadpool's the character played by Ryan Reynolds, the 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 merc with the mouth in the Marvel universe who's gonna it'll be fascinating to see how Disney handles uh rated R Deadpool films now that they control that universe. Um and he's kind of an anti-hero and in his I did see the first Deadpool. I thought it was a funny at times, just dumb. And 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 I've seen many others and never bothered to see the second one. But those two films, particularly the first one, were massive hits. Because one of the things that Deadpool does in the comics is he often breaks the fourth wall. Meaning that, that, that meaning is a story device. He talks directly to you, the reader, and lets you in on the fact that, you know, he knows that this is a story and not real. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn does this in in uh the Harley Quinn film as well. So that she clearly sold this to to Warner on we're going to do our own Deadpool movie, but it's going to be with a far more beloved character, which Harley Quinn is a far better known character, which Harley Quinn was okay. than Deadpool ever was. And we're going to do this our way, but it'll be female led and we'll all get woke points while making hundreds of millions of dollars. Well, they might've, they might've scored their woke points, but they're not going to make hundreds of millions of dollars on this. This, this movie will end up being one of the biggest flops of 2020 and guys, we're not through February yet. Um, it, the the opening uh, box office for the film was so bad. I've never seen this before. Maybe you guys have. Warner Brothers changed the official name of the film for week two. Instead of changing it, Birds of Prey, that, that was the name on the marquees and theaters around the country. They got rid of that and just put Harley Quinn in there. So people- Are you kidding? I'm no, not kidding. You, you, I've never heard of anything like that. Maybe it's happened before. I've just, I've never heard of it. And the box office did not, still didn't do well. It way, it way underperformed week one and it's, and it dropped by 50% in week two. This film's going to flop. I, I, interestingly enough, it seems to have built an audience in Mexico for some odd reason. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. But nowhere else in the world is this film doing well. Nada es imposible, Aaron. Now this movie was, was at over 80%. On Rotten Tomatoes. Well, there's your problem. Okay. And I'm telling you right now, Lady Ghostbusters is a lot better than this movie. A lot. 
a lot better than this movie is. So this movie was at over 80% on Rotten Tomatoes, which panned the DC movies we liked. You know, Batman versus Superman, I think is really, really good. I just watched portions of it again the other day. All right. It was like at 40%. Okay. So, but Rotten Tomatoes love this movie. Audiences, not so much. And it's not, it's not Harley Quinn. She is box office. She, that was proven in Suicide Squad. I mean, there's, there's, I mean, she's got her own cottage industry of women who buy and, and girls who buy her brand and gear and merch. Okay. So this movie has bombed, which has sparked a big debate about why. And is it because we, we just don't want to see nihilism in women because that nihilism abounds in this film. Every, every male is bad. Um, I mean, the, the women aren't much better, frankly. Some of, most of them are criminals. Um, and we just, we're so sexist, we don't want to see this nihilism in our women. And so we, are, we laugh at it when it's Ryan Reynolds and it's a guy that does it when he's the nihilistic antihero. But when it's a woman, they're supposed to be virtuous. Alger, you know, uh, what's the uh, hit women on a pedestal act? Okay, and we don't want to, and so this is now reinforced the movie's feminism, that it failed, um, or is it just that it's just a trash movie? Although, the fact that it's a trash movie would have hurt its second weekend once word of mouth got out. That shouldn't have hurt its opening weekend because the reviews were all saying this movie's great, right? So... We've seen lots of movies get great debuts and then because of the brand and then when people went and saw them, the word of mouth didn't hold up, right? That's not uncommon, right? Right. So the fact that this movie's trash should not have hurt its opening weekend because the reviews all said the movie was great. What it would hurt would be the word of mouth after the fact. So even with all the great advanced reviews and everything else, the movie flopped opening weekend and then once word of mouth got out, the movie was trash. It did even worse in week two. So what do you guys think about this? Is this a statement? Is it, do you think it's just as simple as this movie's bad and people thought Deadpool was good? Or do you think there's something to the fact we really just don't like seeing women behave this way? There's just not much of a market for it. Well, I have one question to help me. Uh, among the many themes I heard, you hit most of them, but one you didn't mention, and not having seen any movies, but remembering the promo for the first one, much more than I do anything about Birds of Prey. Uh, I read something where it is abundantly clear that they went out of their way in this second movie to make Margot Robbie much less sexy. That she is... She was... That's, yeah, you know, I didn't pick up on this during the film, but now that you mention it, yeah. I mean, she clearly uses... She's clearly a temptress in the first... in. in in uh, the in the Suicide Squad movie, and uses her feminine wiles to her advantage. In this film, there's 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 basically none of that. In fact, one of her obsessions is is acquiring a fried egg sandwich. Yeah. Well, I don't know. You you I I posit that as something that needs to be considered amongst comic book fanboy land and non comic book movie going male land. I don't. But it's clear males will go to see women superhero i mean we're gonna find out how black those trailers for black widow look fantastic yes, they do Ma- yeah wonder woman they've they, made they, me interested in a character we yeah. know is already dead yes, i yeah. know yeah I, so it's it's not that but 
I don't know. That, that That's a pretty educated group, the fanboy world. They know what's coming, and I don't think they're relying on Rotten Tomatoes anymore. There's so many other voices out there. I I I think they smelled... That you, uh, for, you you gave me all the feminism, but none of the femininity. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? I said, you know, they, they, they smelled a rat, I think, is probably what happened. All right, Aaron, I'm going to let you give your take here in a minute. But first, I want to warn everybody uh, to not end up like Deborah, who had her home stolen. Not the stuff in the home, but the home itself. Scammers literally stole her home. The FBI calls this home title theft. It's one of the fastest growing white collar crime waves in the country. And that's why you need to protect your home with home title lock. Deborah didn't. So here's what happened to her. Criminals found the title to her home online. Then they filed fraudulent document documents claiming they owned it. And it gets even worse. Deborah ended up getting evicted from her home and losing $85,000 in equity, 85 grand. That's, you know, that kind of money is why your own home is the most important and lucrative investment most Americans will make in their lifetimes. Make sure you protect it, unlike Deborah, so that you don't end up like her. Sign up right now at HomeTitleLock.com. Register your address to see if you're already a victim and don't even know it. And then sign up to help protect your legal title with 60 risk-free days of protection. 60 risk-free days of protection so that you don't end up like Deborah right now at HomeTitleLock.com. Again, go to HomeTitleLock.com. Aaron, what do you think? I think it's possible. I think it's probably just as simple as it's possible for people to enjoy a vile movie that has a decent story and maybe win some but vile uh, characters like like Deadpool. Uh, I think it's far more likely that that's the case. It's easy to enjoy or easier to enjoy a vile movie with a good uh, story and good characters than it is to enjoy a vile movie with terrible plots and terrible cl- characters. I think that's just as simple as simple as it gets, just based on what you've kind of reviewed from Birds of Prey already. Because Deadpool, I, Deadpool, I believe I saw the first one. You know, it's vile. I, it's just vile. But there's actually a good story there. Um, some somewhat of a good story, and uh, there are some funny moments as well. So it's enjoyable. Uh, it sounds like Birds of Prey. It's just nihilism, nihilism. It's nihilism, just all nihilism. nihilism. Isn't there nihilism also on yeah. nihilism? Isn't yeah. there also significant nudity in at least that first? Um, Ryan Reynolds movie. Yeah, there is. There's See, not any in in Birds of Prey, actually. But it's it yeah. speaks to this sexy nonsense. I'm just, yeah. You know, people go to these movies for a variety of reasons, and if I'll, they know, I'll tell they- you, me, I I don't like seeing women behave like that. Like, I'm not an MMA guy. Not that I have a like. I loved boxing as a kid, but I just only have so many sports I can follow. I have zero evidence in watching women beat each other up. I just none. I have no ev- no interest in it whatsoever i don't i don't you know um i i just don't i don't so i don't really get off on watching women behave like men but i also understand with my particular worldview i am you know i'm a i'm a dinosaur but there's relic something more than culture. that because obviously wonder woman is taking names in that movie yeah. but so that's why there's multiple variables but it's, going it's, on it's, it's it's she's being a heroine yeah it's, it's not nihilistic right yeah yeah, you you think maybe the nihilism is what really turned people off. Interesting. All right. Well, that's going to do it for our show here today. Thanks for tuning in here uh, live and on demand on Blaze TV Radio and Podcast. Back at it again tomorrow. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.